You are listening to the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, Eve Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine co-host, Woody, where we bring it to you raw, unfiltered, with no chaser. All right, Woody, we have got two big stories to talk about today. One, of course, the presidential election, but we've had a movement. We've got some movement, and that movement is in the Supreme Court of the United States. We're going to talk about that, and then we've got a spy a spy story going on right now and the one involving none other than eric swalwell if you don't know who eric swalwell is you're gonna find out pretty soon he did try to run for president and he failed miserably and he also went after president trump pretty hard on the um Russian investigation, and now he's got his own controversy going on with a Chinese spy. And why is it, Woody, that the Chinese seem to target Democrats? Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that because we've got a controversy swirling here in the state of Georgia that Chinese may have given some money to some Republicans. So the Chinese, I've been talking about them for a while now. I mean, what's going on? So anyway, let's talk about it today. So welcome to the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Of course, I am here with my trusted canine co-host, Woody Wolf. Woody has his mom. Yes, Woody has a mom. We all have mothers, you know. And Woody's mom's here. Uh, her name is Tinks, and she's just the prettiest dog. But anyway, uh, they are helping keep the show on point. So let's see how good of a job they do today. So first off, let's talk about the Trump presidential campaign. I guess you could say Biden campaign as well, too. Anyway, the state of Texas filed a lawsuit, uh, an emergency lawsuit to the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, when they filed this, and I'll get into a little bit uh, of, of what the lawsuit is here in a minute. When they filed this, uh, people were saying, oh, it's just another one of the, it's just another uh, failed attempt to uh, overturn the election, the rightful, dutiful election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and it's just going to be another one of the 50 failed lawsuits brought. Well, we've got some updates on that. That's not a failed lawsuit at this point in time. It is the state of Texas versus the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the state of Georgia, the state of Michigan, and the state of Wisconsin. So I'm going to get into what the Supreme Court, the lawsuit is, and what is the Supreme Court doing about it? Well, they're doing quite a bit, but there's also a number of other states that have joined suit. This is what's fascinating. It was filed, I think it was yesterday. Anyway, it was it was put into the docket of the Supreme Court. Now, again, we're all getting a civics lesson here. We're all this is what I love about what's going on right now is we're all learning so much of how our processes are. And if you can keep through get through all the minutia the media throws at you, you're going to come out of this extremely educated in our our process here in the United States because what happens is they file this case and then it's it has to be selected and it's selected by the circuit justice and the circuit justice none uh, for the for Texas just happens to be Sam Alito uh the yeah, same Sam Alito who is also the circuit judge for um or, or covers the circuit for Pennsylvania as well and we're going to talk about Pennsylvania here in a second too it's going to come up uh anyway they filed this, and the Supreme Court put it on their docket. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to hear the case. It just means that Judge Alito has deemed it worthy enough to put it on the docket. He's the one who selects to put it on the docket. And then once it goes on the docket, um, I believe it's four 
out of the nine justices need to agree to hear the case. And it looks like they've agreed to hear the case. So this, this case is going to be heard in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now, what's fascinating about this is other states have joined the lawsuit. I'm going to get into the lawsuit. I'm going to give you an overview of it real quick here in a minute. But the other states that have kicked in are Arkansas, Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi, South Carolina, and South Dakota. So now, I don't have the specifics yet. It's all coming out. But it doesn't mean that these states have joined the lawsuit. It means they've given either support to the lawsuit or they have joined the lawsuit. So it's fascinating of what's going on. So here's where we are with the, in how it works with the Supreme Court. So on December 7th, there was a motion to, for leave to file a bill of complaint. Um, and the motion was granted. Now, there's something called a certificate of word count. They got to tell you how many word count. Then they got proof of service means the fees have got to be paid. So that has that put it, it put it in the docket December 7th. Uh, and then also on December 7th, because you can go online, by the way, you can go on supremecourt.gov and follow where this is going. And it's fascinating stuff. So you've got also on December 7th, they did a motion to expedite filed by plaintiff Texas on December 7th. Also a motion for preliminary injunction and temporary restraining order or alternatively for stay and administration stay filed by plaintiff Texas. So it's in the docket, meaning now the Supreme Court, four of the nine justices have to agree to hear the case. And uh, now on December 8th, Yesterday, uh, added to the docket was respond to the response to the motion for leave to file a bill of complaint and to the motion for a preliminary injunction and temporary restraining order or alternatively for stay and administrative stay requested due December 10 by 3 p.m. So what this is saying is the states, the uh, uh, plaintiffs or the defendants, I'm sorry, um, they got to they got to answer to this they got to what's their answer what's their reply so that's by thursday uh december 10th by 3 p.m they have to give the reply and whether they give the reply or not it doesn't really matter but this case is going to the supreme court and it was filed by ken paxton the attorney general of texas now let's get into what exactly is this case what are the highlights because i know there's a lot of people out there who simply don't believe that this is going to do anything. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, we got to let it play out. But all I do know is this is going to be heard by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. So we've got a case. Now, remember, I've been saying this in, uh, for a minute. Rudy Giuliani has said it, it needs to be the right case. It's the, you know, it's not just any case that needs to get in front of the Supreme Court. It's got to be the right case that gets in front of the Supreme Court. And Jay Sekulow, who is one of uh, President Trump's attorneys, uh, has stated that this is the one, this is the case we've been waiting for. So Jay Sekulow, who, by the way, has argued cases in front of the Supreme Court of the United States, said, again, this is the one, this is the case we've been waiting for. Now, who saw this coming? Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people saw that it would come out of Texas. So let's get into what it is. This is a, it's, it's a fascinating uh, case, really, if you think about it. 
Uh, again, I'm, I'm not a legal scholar. I'm learning about all of this, just like a lot of you are. I mean, because I'm finding this all just absolutely fascinating. This is literally history unfolding in front of our eyes. So it behooves us to pay attention because there's that old saying is if you fail to remember your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I'd rather us not repeat this. Let's figure this out. Let's learn from this. So as a nation, we don't have to go through this again. But, you know, we're going to find out soon. So here's what I feel is significant of this is the, the election irregularities need to be uncovered and, and these election regularities need to be uncovered so we can avoid these in future. Now, there's still something else going on over here. It's the uh, Sidney Powell case. I've been saying this for a while, too, that Sidney Powell, what she's doing is different than what's going on right here. This is about President Trump's election, re-election. This is about actually the actual election. If there are voter irregularities, these these battleground states, these four states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, these four states, uh, they, they found enough irregularities that they felt that there was reason to bring it to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Now, what Sidney Powell is doing is she's uncovering that massive fraud through our election that was our election through the voter fraud. Because if that's allowed to stay, if what if what she alleges happened with those Dominion voting machines and other irregularities, if that's allowed to stay, it's just going to keep happening. So what she's doing is on a different plane. Arguably, I would say it's a much bigger issue because if that's not if that's not corrected, if that if that what she alleges is true continues, we are nothing but a banana republic. But let's talk about this case. Now, in the Epoch Times, they did a pretty good job of just kind of wrapping it up. So I'm going to give you some of the hot, the overview of this of what it, what is Texas saying? What are they doing? So it, the the headline is Texas SCOTUS case highlights non-legislative election rule changes in battleground states. And that's it right there. In a nutshell, that's what it is. So first paragraph here, Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton on Tuesday filed an election lawsuit in the U.S. Supreme Court against Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, alleging that the states used the pandemic to unlawfully change their election laws and urging top courts to have the election results declared unconstitutional. It all boils down to what Rudy Giuliani has been saying the whole time. He's been laying this out for us the whole time is that equal protection clause. You cannot, just because of a, a so-called pandemic, change the rules because to, a, to accommodate a pandemic, which is, means changing the rules of the Constitution of the United States. There, that's, just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean it changes. You can't just willy-nilly change it. And that's what Texas is alleging these states did. So Paxton argued in the filing that the states used the outbreak, and I love how they put this in the Epoch Times, of the Chinese Communist Party virus. I mean, it is a Chinese virus. It did come out of China. And for all intents and purposes, it did come from the Chinese Communist Party. So I'm going to go with them on this one as an excuse to make non-legislative changes to their election rules though, executive, through executive fiat or friendly lawsuits, thereby weakening the ballot. Uh, he is requesting that the U.S. Supreme Court rules to prohibit the counting of the Electoral College votes cast by the four states and for those states that have already appointed electors. He asked the court to direct state legislatures to appoint new electors. So it, there's two things right there. Is One is if, if these states here, 
they they shouldn't send their electors to the electoral college and these states here well they should be allowed to select their own electors via the state legislatures because remember in the constitution of the united states of america the states are the ones that um plan or rule or dictate how they vote for the president of the united states and the state legislatures are the ones that make those rules and so the state legislatures are really the ones who select who goes what electors are going to go to the electoral college whether it be trump electors whether it be biden electors and quite honestly whether it be mickey mouse electors that's how the constitution is written. So the article goes on, while investigations into alleged allegations of unlawful votes being counted and fraud continue, even the appearance of fraud in a close election would justify exercising the court's discretion to grant the motion, Paxton argued, and called for the high court to extend the December 14th deadline for certification of electoral college electors to allow these investigations to be complete. So now they're asking also to move next Monday's date, December 14th. Fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. So here it is state by state, Pennsylvania. And I'm just going to read, the again, the overview of this because a lot of these are a lot of similarities with the exception of one state. Pennsylvania, the, uh, Paxton argues Pennsylvania's Secretary of State, uh, Katie Bukvar, uh, Bukvar, 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 don't know how you say her name, B-O-O-C-K-V-A-R, I'm thinking it's Bukvar, uh, unilaterally and without legislative approval, modified several state statutes requiring signature verification for absentee and mail-in ballots. Again, they're arguing in Pennsylvania that the Secretary of State changed the rules without the authority or approval of the state legislatures. Very simple, very simple. Uh, and it goes on in some detail about that, but let's go down each state. Georgia, Paxton argues in the Supreme Court filing that Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger unilaterally and without legislative approval, there it is again, uh, abrogated Georgia's statute governing the signature verification process for absentee ballots. So again, when, what they're arguing is the Secretary of State changed the rules without getting the approval of the, sled, the state legislatures, as is outlined in the Constitution of the United States. So let's go to Michigan. Paxton alleges that Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson unilaterally and without a legislative approval abrogated Michigan election statutes relating to absentee ballots, applications, signature verification, the same as in Georgia. And again, similar to as in Pennsylvania, the Secretary of State's changing the rules without getting the state legislature's approval or involvement. And then we go to Wisconsin. In his complaint, Paxton argues that the Wisconsin Elections Commission unconstitutionally modified Wisconsin's election laws in a way that weakened or entirely removed established safeguards to ensure absentee ballot integrity. So fascinating stuff so here is the, the state of texas filed this this uh lawsuit because in effect these four states not following their own rules their own constitution nor following what's set out in the constitution of the united states of america they disenfranchised everybody they disenfranchised the whole country these four states so texas is now saying either let the legislature select the electors or prevent or 
just stop them from going to the electoral college altogether. So now what happens, these four states, they got to answer. They got till uh, December 10th, which is Thursday, by 3 p.m. to answer. And then the Supreme Court's going to hear the case. Now, from what I understand, too, Texas filed a motion to expedite this. I forget what it's called, but it expedites it. So that's why it's at the Supreme Court right now. So this, as Jay Sekulow said, this is the... This is the lawsuit that they wanted. Remember, again, you know, the left constantly and you if you if you're on Twitter, you better have thick skin if you want to uh, interact with the left on Twitter, because they will hit you with a barrage of the same talking points over and over and over and over again that. You know, Biden won, that there's no irregularities here, and they just go at it over and over. And a lot of times you'll find that those those people on Twitter that are doing this have like five followers, ten followers. And I'm not belittling people who have a few followers, but it's just suspicious to me that there's so many of them. So could they be bots? I don't know. There are a lot of bots on Twitter that do this kind of crap, and they just barrage you with it to beat you down on it. And they talk about the, you know, Trump's already lost 50 cases. I know the number right now they're using is 50 cases. And they keep going on and on and on and on about it. And you start going, gosh, uh, this is really, I mean, they keep hitting me with the same thing over and over. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't have all the information. And you know what? You don't. Don't worry about it. You don't have to have all the information. Who has to have the information? The Trump team has to have the information. And you got to listen between the lines. Rudy Giuliani, who the left vilifies left and right, trying to turn, make him out to be a buffoon, is not. He's anything but. This is a man who brought down the mob in New York. This is a man who took New York, where it was decaying, decrepit, crime-ridden city, and completely turned it around in his administration as mayor of New York. Uh, this is not a dumb man. And this is not a man with thin skin. This is a man who's got very thick skin, who is very determined in his processes. And if you listen and read between the lines, you, you now can have seen everything played out. So Rudy Giuliani said, it's not about just getting all of the cases to the Supreme Court. It's about getting the right case to the Supreme Court. Jay Sekulow just said, this is the case we've been waiting for. I only need one, ladies and gentlemen. He only needs one. And the, the, the Trump team has not brought many cases in front of the Supreme Court. Now, some will say, well, you lost in Pennsylvania. No, actually, we didn't lose in Pennsylvania because here's what happened in Pennsylvania. The um, judge in Pennsylvania did not rule uh, or did not throw out the case in Pennsylvania. And I'm trying to look for it right now, and I'll give you what was said about it. Uh, here is Trump Attorney General Ellis. Supreme Court only denied emergency injunction relief. The Pennsylvania case is still pending before the Supreme Court of the United States. And got to keep in mind, read between the lines, ladies and gentlemen. Justice Alito is in charge of the circuit that covers Pennsylvania and Texas. So Justice Alito is going to look at both of these, and he's going to go forward with one or both, but he's going to go forward with one that's the strongest. Uh, so he's chosen Texas. Texas, I guess that's what they asked for is an emergency injunction relief. So it was granted. It was put on the Supreme Court justice's docket. It was voted on, and it's going to be heard. I mean, fascinating stuff. Again, you can find all of this on 
supremecourt.gov. And again, I'll have it in my, my show notes. I'll have the link to it. And you can follow along with what's going on. The process, it's called processes, processings and orders. And right now, what is on the, the docket or on the agenda is by December 7th, 3 p.m., the four states have to answer to this. And if they don't, it goes forward. I mean, they, they now it's up to them that they got to fight this or not. Now, I've already seen the, um, I don't know if it's attorney general, but one of the lawyers for Georgia already tried to debunk this. And he's allegedly a Republican. Uh, I don't like to use the rhino phrase. You either Republican or you're not a Republican. There is no in name only. You either abide by the principles of the party. You don't, you either are conservative or you are not. Now, I don't call myself a Republican. I call myself a conservative. So uh, obviously, those Republicans who are not conservatives, they're just not conservative. So I, I don't know where they fall. I've not been pleased with um, Secretary of State Raffensperger here in the state of Georgia because I think he's been a bit arrogant and he hasn't really, um, from his bully pulpit, done anything to question these irregularities in Georgia, which we see many of. And also, I can say the same thing about our governor here in the state of Georgia, too, Brian Kemp, where he he called for signature audits, but he didn't demand signature audits. And again, I mentioned this on the show yesterday, that the governor doesn't have the authority to do that. He doesn't have the authority to, to enact signature audits, but he can use his bully pulpit. So the Republican leadership in the state of Georgia and let me tell you, I'm worried. I mean, I'm, well, I don't say I'm worried. I'm pissed off. And here's why I'm pissed off. The Republican leadership in the state of Georgia has shown themselves to be weak. And they pissed off a lot of conservatives in the state of Georgia. And there are a lot of conservatives in the state of Georgia. This is a red state, contrary to what you see in this election right now, because if it's a stolen election in the state of Georgia, this is a red state. Here's my concern. Here's why I'm pissed off is in the and I think I mentioned this on the show yesterday, but it bears repeating that come 2022, uh, Kemp is up for reelection. Now, he ran against Stacey Abrams last time and won by 50,000 votes. He's pissed off so many conservatives in the state of Georgia. I don't know how he can get reelected. I don't know what he can do between now and 2022. You know, in politics, two years is a long time. but I don't think that people are just going to forget. I think he's going to have a tough time. He may decide not to run. I don't know. But I do know if Stacey Abram runs, and that's almost a full sure thing, if she runs against Kemp, she's likely to win. And because of the wishy-washy leadership of the Republican Party in the state of Georgia right now with this election, they may have been the ones that just turned this state blue. The Democrats have been trying to turn Georgia blue forever. but. I, I digress, went off on a tangent on there, with Georgia. But so again, you can go to supremecourt.gov. You can read the document there, the entire lawsuit. It's uh, 44 pages long. Uh, you can follow along on the process as well. And then also um, there on scotusblog.com, uh, I'll put this in my show notes too, you, there's a glossary of the Supreme Court terms. So like I said, we're all getting an education here, whether it's a civics education or what's education in um, how the Supreme Court works, we're all getting an education and it's fascinating. We are literally, literally seeing history unfold right 
before our eyes. So exciting stuff, exciting stuff. So let's get into some other election news. There's also another lawsuit filed. Uh, I got this from Citizen Free Press. You think you've seen everything? This one comes out. So uh, this is a tweet from Jenny Beth Martin. Uh, Trump campaign lawsuit in Georgia is now available online. It consists of 1,585 pages outlining significant so in other election news, uh, this from the Citizens Free Press, uh, you, <laughs> you think you've seen everything, then this comes out. Another campaign lawsuit is filed. The Trump campaign lawsuit filed in Georgia is now available online. This is a tweet from Jenny Beth Martin. Uh, now filed, uh, it consists of 1,585 pages outlining significant evidence fraud. Here are the key points as from Jenny, uh, Jenny Beth Martin's tweet. And she's a co-founder of the Tea Party Patriots, by the way. So just so you know who she is, strong uh, Christian, strong conservative. But here is what she outlined in uh, that lawsuit. Uh, the key points, that there were 2,560 felons who voted in the Georgia. This is just Georgia, just Georgia, Georgia election. Two, let me see, 2,565 felons. 66,247 underage voters, 2,423 votes from people not registered, 1,043 individuals registered using P.O. boxes. Now, I mentioned before, when you register in the state of Georgia to vote, you cannot use a P.O. box. You can't use a business address either. It has to be a resident. So 4,226 individuals who voted in Georgia after registrate registering in another state, 395 individuals who voted in two states, 15,700 votes from people who moved out of state before the election, 40,279 votes of people who moved without registering, or I'm sorry, without re-registering in their new county, and then 30 to 40,000 absentee ballots lacking proper signature matching and verification. Uh, the, lawsuit, uh, the lawsuit also outlines over 30 Georgia laws codes and it includes affidavits. So, and I'll put this in the show notes and you can go read the lawsuit as well. So, and they, they filed this in Fulton County, by the way, ironically enough, is where um, a lot of this, um, the counting irregularities happen. So the plaintiff is Donald Trump, uh, David Schaefer, uh, and the defendants are Lynn Bailey, Richard Barron, Russell Bridges, Andover, just a whole host of people, a ton of people. So now you got that lawsuit in Georgia alone. Now what will happen with this lawsuit, but, but what, what is fascinating about this lawsuit is the Secretary of State and the Governor of Georgia said, oh, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, there's nothing going on, don't worry about it, not a thing. Not a thing. This is the most honest and an election with integrity we've ever had in the state of Georgia. Of course, I'm paraphrasing them saying that, but they were saying something along the lines like that. But look at this. So if the state of Georgia has this many issues, if it had these issues, if just, if just a thumbnail of those were correct, then, I mean, there's a big issue. Joe Biden leads in the state of Georgia by like 12,600 votes. So if you have 66,247 underage votes, you think that would be pretty easy to figure out. <clears throat> Joe Biden would lose the state if that's found out to be true, if all these voters are under the age of 18. If you have this one, 15,700 votes from people who moved out of state before the election, if that's the case, 
and they move somewhere else, have residency somewhere else, all 15,700 of those votes are ineligible. And if they go to Biden, if those are Biden votes, <clears throat> Trump wins Georgia. Simple as that. But then you got this big one here, 40,279 votes of people who moved without re-registering in their new county. All of those votes are ineligible. It's all written out in the Georgia um, Constitution, in the Georgia laws. That's 40,279. How many of those you think went for Biden? How many do you think went for Trump? I bet you. I bet you there's 12,600 in there for Biden. And then this one's the big one that really this is the fight. This is the real fight. 30 to 40,000 absentee ballots lacking proper signature match and verification. Now, this is significant because Stacey Abrams, and she just will not go away, um, is being investigated right now for uh, bringing in out-of-state ballots. Here it is right here. Georgia Group founded by Stacey Abrams under investigation for seeking out-of-state dead vote. This is from Fox News. Group was previously chaired by Democrat Senate candidate Raphael Warnock. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger. So isn't that interesting? Uh, so... Warnock's got his hands on this, too. So here's uh, from the article from Fox News. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger has launched investigations into several groups, including one founded by former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams for seeking to aggressively register ineligible out-of-state and deceased voters before the state's January 5th Senate runoff elections. Raffsenberger's office on Wednesday said the investigations are into groups including America Votes, Vote Forward and the New Georgia Project, which was founded by Abrams and previously chaired by Democrat Senate candidate Raphael Warnock. Now, the good thing is, I'll give this to Brad Raffsberger. He's launched the investigation. So you've got this investigation going on. You've got the lawsuit filed where there's just tons of potential fraudulent votes here in the state of Georgia. So we'll see where that one plays out as well. It, it far from, from this recording, I haven't heard that this lawsuit's been tossed yet. Now the lawsuit was just filed December eighth, so we're going to hear about this one pretty soon. So I told you, I, I said this before. Actually, it was filed on twelve four of twenty twenty. So I said this is the week. A lot has to happen this week to figure out what's going to happen with the election. Because here's what's going on, and you know, been talking about this a bit. Is Safe Harbor Day was the eighth. We passed Safe Harbor Day, and all this, the states have gone to certify their elections. So that's that's their good faith effort. That is their safe harbor. Then December fourteenth is when the electoral college meets. Now there's. It, you know, when I first started talking about this, that was what's outlined in the Constitution, but it's an arbitrary date. It can move. So that's what they're trying to do is to move that date, if at all possible, or prevent states from getting to the Electoral College, if at all possible, or getting states to switch. That's Monday coming up. So everything has to happen this week. This is a crucial week in this election. Now, if the Electoral College does meet on the 14th, and they do vote. And this is, this is the key. Somebody asked me about this. Uh, I think uh, uh, um, one of YouTube from a watcher or viewers on YouTube, Tom, Tom asked about this. W w do you think 
Trump should call martial law? Do you think he will call martial law? I'm paraphrasing Tom's question. Or do you think uh, there's other avenues to prevent Biden from becoming the president of the United States? If the Electoral College meets on Monday and vote, and there are enough electoral votes that go to Biden, then then I don't think there is a way to reverse it. I could be wrong on this because Jenna Ellis is saying they have until January 6th. Because what happens on January 6th is those votes from the Electoral College go to Congress. And then they're added in Congress, Cong- I guess, entered into the record, not voted on, but entered into the record. So or I think it's maybe a quasi vote as well. But the Electoral College meets, casts the electors. If Biden gets 270, technically he's the president elect. That's when he will be the president elect. So let's say it goes that way. Biden gets his 270. Now it's a hell of a lot harder to overturn anything once he becomes president elect. But you still got to have that vote in Congress. I guess that happens on January 6th. So Jenna Ellis is saying that they really have until January 6th. And she may be correct in that. However, where the, the problem is, is do these elected officials, these state legislatures, these members of Congress, Congress do they have the fight? Do, do they have the fight in them to prevent anything like this from happening? Do they have a fight in them that after the Electoral College meets and awards Biden his 270 votes, do they have a fight? Do they have the will to fight for this election? Sadly, I don't think the answer is yes. Sadly, I think the answer is no. And that's where we are with the state legislatures as well. They had the opportunity to fight this. Pennsylvania specifically, and they decided not to. They decided not to pursue to send their own electors to the Electoral College by via the Constitution. They are eligible to do that. Now, this lawsuit that Texas filed with the Supreme Court may just give them the backing they need to do that. But so many of our politicians are absolutely spineless and allow things to happen because they don't have the will to fight. They don't have the balls to take this to the mat. They don't have the, the, the spine to follow through the ugly details that could come out of this. They don't want that kind of fight because they fear re-election. Or when we get into the next segment talking about this Chinese spy scandal that's erupting, or is there other nefarious reasons? That's a question that's coming up here in the state of Georgia. Sidney Powell, Lynn Woods, flat out said, flat out said that the governor and secretary of state got kickbacks of some sort. Uh, I may be paraphrasing that wrong. Apologize if I am. But they flat out inferred that something nefarious has happened, and they insinuated it was Chinese. Now, here in the state of Georgia, we our port in Savannah, Georgia, is huge. We have a lot of product that come in, comes in through China. In fact, from what I understand, I think I mentioned this on the show yesterday too, we are the second um, uh, biggest port for China of importing goods into our country. It's significant for our state. It's a lot of revenue. The Chinese are bringing in a lot of revenue. And again, I don't begrudge that. We are, this is a global economy. I mean, if the Chinese want to come here and legitimately spend some money, by, you know, because, and, and you can't blame, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to defend the communist Chinese, by the way. I, I abhor the communist Chinese. But if you look at us as a country, how many of our, our companies manufacture their goods in China? 
tons of them. I mean, tons of them. And why do they do it? Because it's cheap. China has cheap labor. Why do they have cheap labor? Because they have, they have a huge workforce, a ginormous workforce. And so our companies, several companies here in the United States have decided to relocate manufacturing to China because it's cheaper. I get it. It's a bottom line decision. It, the unions in the United States have made it so expensive to do business in this country that in order for businesses to remain profitable, they had to seek alternatives and China was one of those alternatives. So there's a lot at fault. There's people at fault here, ourselves included. It, I give you one example would be the shoe making industry. As I understand it, I think there's one company, I can't remember the name of the company that still manufactures shoes in the United States. Every other company, all the major brands that you know of, have all outsourced their shoe manufacturing in other countries, and majority being China. Nike, Reebok, all of these companies, they don't, man, they don't make the shoes here anymore because the unions drove up the cost so much that it made sense to outsource it to another country to save money. So, you know, there's a lot of fault to go here. So I'm not faulting the governor of Georgia for bringing in uh, uh, Chinese money to let them bring in their products through our port because there's a, there's a demand for it. I mean, you go to the dollar store, any dollar store you go to, any dollar store you has Chinese product. Every single one of them. So you can't begrudge the governor for wanting that business to come to his state. You can't, you just can't. So I'm not going to put that on him. I'm going to, I want to wait and get more data for that. What I put on Brian Kemp is his um, uh, just wishy-washy leadership when it comes to all the voter irregularities in the state of Georgia. We, as his constituents, myself included, we want to see him fight. We want to see him go to the mat. He has the bully pulpit in this state and he did not use it. I'm sorry, Governor Kemp, you just did not. I voted for you. I want to vote for you again. I'm hoping that the accusations are incorrect, and but I am absolutely disappointed that your feckless leadership in this Georgia voting irregularity business that has gone on may possibly lead to this state being lost to a Democrat governor in 2022. That's how I look at it. Anyway, uh, so we got a lot going on in the election. So some big stuff, some big news. So We'll, you know, by Thursday, they've got to answer the Supreme Court and it moves forward and we'll start seeing arguments. I don't know who's going to do the arguments yet. I know there's talk where Ted Cruz has offered up to do to um, give the arguments in the Pennsylvania case. I believe he's also offered up to give the arguments in the Texas case, which would be fascinating. A sitting U.S. senator arguing this case in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. Just I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is an exciting time to be alive and to witness this firsthand. I know it's frustrating. I know we want it to go our way. We always do. Trust me, both sides always want it to go their way. You know, the left, they're giddy right now, but they're worried. They're very, very nervous because they know, they know every one of them out there knows something is up. And you know what? Most of them are going to say, we don't care. We don't care. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. We don't care. You can, you can tell to your blue in the face all the irregularities and they just will you know, put their fingers in their ears and go, nah, 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 nah. They just don't care. 
because they won. Well, at least they think they did, but they're worried. As it stands right now, did you know that Kamala Harris has still not resigned her Senate seat? Interesting, right? Telling as well. Well, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBL podcast. We got a lot of news that will be reporting on this in the coming days. This is an exciting week. Can't wait to hear what happens at the Supreme Court. It can't, I mean, this is just going to be monumental regardless of the outcome. We got a front, we have a front seat to history. Don't forget this moment. This is a moment you'll be talking about for the rest of your life. You'll be telling your children, your grandchildren, maybe even other people down the road. Like, all right, so <clears throat> thank you again for listening to this segment of the PBO Podcast. Politics and brown liquor. Woody, it's exciting. I know, I know. Hey, if you don't mind, I do have an ask. And I, you know where I'm going with this. But if you're new to the show, uh, please subscribe to our channel. Give us a five-star rating. Follow, uh, share this channel. Specifically, if you're following us on Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating and give us a, a subscribe. Helps us move up in the algorithm. And also, hop on over to our, our, our YouTube channel, Politics and Brown Liquor, and subscribe. Even if you don't watch it, it helps move us up in the algorithm of YouTube. If you don't like YouTube, and I get it, there's a lot who don't, uh, head on over to rumble.com. We are the PBL podcast there, and give us a subscribe there as well. And it, again, helps move everything up in the algorithm. We want to keep the show going, but we cannot do it without your help by following, subscribing, rating, sharing, and giving us a five-star rating. Thanks again for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Take it away, Woody. Woof.